Uh, welcome back at uh, 9.32. Views and news and Cape Talk through till 12 with me, Clarence. Um, and it's time now for us to touch base with Barbara Friedman. A lot's been happening. Some of the stuff happening, going down, you may not have been privy to. She's going to tell us what people are talking about on the World Wide Web. Yeah, so I am going to talk about the EFF because the hashtag EFF 10th anniversary was trending. And there is quite a lot of, there are a lot of articles, a lot of um, analysis going around. I mean, I didn't follow it closely this weekend. I did hear about it and I was driving and I heard the news bulletins and summaries of it. Um, I think I'm just going to mention, so there was a photograph that actually went, has been doing the rounds of Julius Malema standing on his red um, stand, which looks like um, it looks like one of those tables that it looks like one of those side tables that has been enlarged, um, painted red. It's a strange-looking stage, and he's standing on it with his fist, his hand out in a sort of almost like in a salute. And it's interesting what that I've seen such diverse responses to that picture. I've seen very, very positive ones where people just think this is amazing. And really, um, comments, you know, thousands of comments saying, you know, this is very powerful. This is, um, you know, this is our CIC, our commander in chief, you know, a title which I've never understood why anyone would give a pseudo military title to someone. But the other side of the response has been, and I'm on a few groups of a range of political, kind of political views, which is that it, it reminds them of Adolf Hitler because he's got his hand out like this, Julius Malema. Um, it's sort of a hail salute. Whichever view, I mean, those are both two quite extreme views. I don't exactly think that's what he was doing. I think it was more of a power salute. But hey, I mean, I can't really see the detail of the Look, this guy is good. I have no doubts about it. If I look at this inbox here. Yeah. Why are you not talking about Julius Malema? I refuse to talk. So He knows your buttons. He knows how to press your So I suppose a couple of points that, because, I mean, it's such an interesting, it is an interesting story. Most of this rather large audience that took up the FNB Stadium, I mean, they're saying it was possibly, what, 90,000 plus? Leicester said 100. Okay, yeah. Yesterday they were reporting, they were saying, you know, over 90, so okay, around 100,000, which a few months ago people were saying he was never going to fill the stadium, but he has. And the other interesting thing is that they say that the audience was mostly 18 to 30-year-olds. Now, you could say, well, that's amazing. That's the future of South Africa. Mm. That's who's going to be the vote. But I would say as someone who's a lot older now and looking at my my views when I was 18 to 30 is that, you know, younger people often are more militant, more radical. They just are. We were there. Exactly. So, well, yeah. So the point is, is that having such a young base isn't necessarily a sign of long-term popularity because as people then start getting mortgages bonds as we call them um career paths children in school whatever you know you become a little more centrist sometimes in your life i'm just saying so like i don't think it's necessarily a reflection that you've got that person for life or maybe i'm wrong maybe that is exactly when you need to hook your voter and maybe if you're 18 and voting for the eff now you will vote for the eff forever in the same way as people who were in the ANC many decades ago, no matter what the ANC does, will never, ever, ever vote for anyone else. And I know political analysts and, and political scientists, should I say, yeah. um, will say that your political, your political 
um, choice, your political, what is the word, takes very long time to change, you know, in a country. So I think I think I I I, I think we shouldn't necessarily be as as scared. And I think it's the fear of God, literally, that is able to yes. drive into people's hearts. Mm. The reality, the problem mm. here is that the government is not delivering to people who desperately need delivery. Exactly. And that could drive the majority of people into the hands of and it, and not populists. The, yeah, not maybe the majority, but certainly younger and dispossessed people or people who are looking for those those kinds of, of 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 answers, that kind of rhetoric. I thought it was interesting listening as I was driving yesterday to EWN inside EWN and Alpha Ram, uh, the the EWN reporter, I'm not sure who was reporting. They were just summarising the whole thing. And one of the things he's promised is free education. If he when not sorry not if when he gets into power, he's going to give the country free education and higher education. And I was thinking. All very well, and it isn't a wonderful thing. I mean, Mugabe did do that at one point, or he certainly helped, you know, the population be educated. Um, and we know a lot of the problems here are, is that people can't afford it. But how can our country afford that? That's all I'm asking. Like, how when you take the pie? Yeah, of he's going to nationalise the banks. He started with that that bank that went bankrupt. Well, that he that he <laughs> benefited that, that, from that he personally nationalized. <laughs> personally nationalized. My point is, is that he's making promises that are great to the ears of young people. Yeah. He's promising employment. He's promising education. He's promising all the things that they want to hear, and understandably want to hear. And but course, how would he deliver that? When he nationalized VBS, it was VBS. the poorest of the poor that lost. Yeah, lost their out, savings. and 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 which allegedly lined the pockets of of members. Yeah. Millions. M- yeah. Can so, we move on? I know. I know. I, I, I had such a good start. I know. Uh, isn't it awful that I brought that up? <laughs> um, I thought this was an interesting article. Um, it's on a couple of sites, including the Mail online, and that is Google's chatbot Bard, which we know is the competitor to ChatGPT. They they did a they questioned the chat Bard chatbot Bard. <laughs> And to ask what jobs would be most at risk of artificial intelligence going forward and which would be safe. Um, Obviously, this is not an absolute list, um, um, but I thought it was just maybe it's not an exhaustive list, should I say. But I thought it was interesting to see what this chat bard came up with. They're saying that the 10 jobs most at risk of being replaced by AI are, one, data entry clerks, Two, customer service representatives. Mm. Well, I feel those are bots already. They're gone. Truck drivers. And they say that is based, this is in the future, they say this is based on self-driving trucks. That's reality. Telemarketers. I mean, they sound like bots already to me, but anyway. (laughs) They look like bots. Accountants. Legal assistants. Web developers. Translators. Graphic designers. And factory workers. But on that point... You know, ever since the Industrial Revolution started, factory workers' jobs have been changing and at risk. If you think yeah. about it, the more we have industrialization that isn't labor-intensive. Yeah. You know, South Africa had always put off and kept things quite labor-intensive because it was so important for us to actually employ people. But obviously, as the world evolves, you kind of have machines replacing humans. Are we safe? Yeah, are we? The 10 jobs they say are safe are teachers is number one, which I'm pleased to hear. 
two healthcare workers, because I suppose although they have got robotic surgery these, these days, they do need a pilot that's human. Artists. Yeah! <laughs> Creatives are the future. Entrepreneurs. Cause that's yeah, a, that's creative. Salespeople. Yeah, that's I a skill. I think that's interesting. That's a skill. Clergy. Yeah, you, <laughs> you want life after death. Lawyers. Oh, gee, yeah. You're human make resource professionals. For I thought machines. those were bots already. Yeah. Customer service managers. Thanks so obviously to someone to oversee the, the bots. Bot. Yeah. And the tenth one is creative directors. Yeah, I, I see the future. So yeah. yes, you can still have some of the schlep work done by the AI, but you would still need a human to oversee it. However, at a at a managerial level, but how do you become a manager if you haven't done the work at a coalface level to sort of mm. get? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm not saying this is exhaustive, I, I and I'm sure people are listening and think the, this the, is the all one nonsense. thing that machines can't do is get creative. Right? They can't get creative. I agree. So everything's going to be born out of creative minds, including yes. the managers. Yes. No, I understood. And the clergy, obviously, because people still need spiritual Life guidance. After death. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that they don't have psychologists here. I suppose they did have medical, medical, um, medical health, which maybe includes healthcare workers. Mm. I don't know if that includes all of that. But I mean, I feel like. If I want to go and if I want psychotherapy, I don't want to talk to a AI. <laughs> Do you? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Although anyway. my secrets would be, would it be published on the web? God. Yeah. Too much. Well, that's the future you're staring at. Good luck. Let's it's see. Yeah. Let me guide your children on what careers to, to take on. Yeah. Okay. And then we have. This yes. So this was a story I spoke about a couple of weeks ago about this um, this guy Tim Shaddock, who was on his little yacht adventuring, and uh, off uh, from Mexico, and he had ended up being stranded in a storm for a couple of months on the sea with his dog Bella, and they were rescued. And I mean, it literally was on every news site globally. And then I saw at one point some very wealthy man. Because he, he was going back to Australia, Tim, and he didn't want to take Bella with him because he felt the quarantine laws in Australia were so harsh and it would not be fair on Bella, who was a street dog when she adopted him when she, a couple of years back. She found him on the streets of Mexico and started following him and became his doggy. Um, so he said he decided to leave her behind with a skipper of the ship um, who is he's 47 year old he's got three children and a dog and actually looks like such a lovely lovely man and so Bella was going into good hands um, his name is Gennaro Rosales he's one of the crew members who saved him sorry that was the punchline he was on the boat that saved Tim and Bella and he decided to adopt Bella when Tim decided he couldn't take him with and so they've just interviewed Tim again he's been reunited with Bella just for a visit and he said it was just wonderful seeing Bella again but his decision is and I was thinking about this you know I always think make the right decision rehome Bella with this wonderful family, the Rosales family, Bella looks as happy as anything because Tim is going on his next adventure into um, a jungle. Yeah, no, please, Tim. And Enough of that Tim, now. Tim is Tim like, is the... let me not take Bella with because, you know, Bella might uh, not make it. But he did say she was incredible on that ship. And he said, you know, she's Mexican. She, um, she, <laughs> and he's, she's now living <laughs> in Mexico. 
But he said she was braver than he was. He said she was just incredible on that boat. I, 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 I don't think Bella's going to be able to forget them, though. I don't think so. Now that they've seen each other after quite a while, she was as excited to see him. But I do think, and I just want to turn around the computer and show you, this is, um, this is his new, Bella's new owner. I mean, look how happy she looks. Very happy. She's a gorgeous dog. Yeah. Oh, I want a dog like that. Okay, um, I'm sure that there, there's no shortage of dogs. She needs a dog. Um, Barbara, there's a WhatsApp uh, voice note in. I want you to hear just before you go. Oh, dear. Hi, guys. I think the most important job that's not going to get lost to AI is the plumber. <laughs> Very Because true. what are you going to do when your sewer blacks, backs up and uh, <laughs> your toilet starts overflowing? You're going to call a plumber for sure. No, that's... Yeah, it's always been something I've always thought people should tell their children to be plumbers yeah. because they do very, very well. Absolutely. Apprentice, uh, what, what, what they call it? Um, artisans are definitely going to be yeah. required into the future. It is uh, 9.44. Next up, we're going to talk uh, with Alan Hirsch, research fellow at the New South Institute. Uh, Zimbabwean migrants, South African anti-immigrant sentiments are hindering